Holistic. Bashiana. Hi, welcome to Who You Call Holistic. I am your host, Shiana Rivers, and I have a special guest with me today, Melanie. Dr. Melanie, we'll call you Dr. Melanie today. Is that all right? Sounds good. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and we'll get into Dr. Melanie's life in a bit, but first make sure you like, subscribe, share. Make sure you subscribe to my email list so you can stay up to date with all the things. Uh, shout out to Neek. You know, I'm recording today at GOT Sound Studio. And um, yeah, I think those are the updates for now. You know how my mind works. So if, if something else comes to mind, then I'll, I'll throw it in there. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, we've discussed before, like I was going to have you on forever ago. Right. But I mean, you know, this, this is how this works. So right. Melanie and I became friends and like just so people are clear, I'm not friends with all my like clients. This is not how I develop all my friendships like this. It's not necessarily a thing. Um, but, you know, when you meet your, your soul family, that's how it happens sometimes. And it just so happens that I work in a decent uh, an industry that promotes uh, connection. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. So, yep. um, And I've talked about the place that we met in, so I won't necessarily discuss that place. But right. it's, it's nice that that was a part of... I guess my story, and that's how we had to meet, maybe. Right. Something like that. So it works. Yep. Um, And then I sent you, did I send you the thing the other day that was like um, Aquarius chooses you? Did I ever send you that? Okay. (laughs) Um, It was like Aquarius chooses you. Like, you can't choose an Aquarius. That's not how it works. Aquarius chooses you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Sounds like a cat. Yeah. Well. (laughs) Well. Well. (laughs) But then I was looking at all the Aquarians in my life, and I was like, actually, (laughs) The way they all ended up in my, yeah, yes, that is exactly how it happened. And in fact, I think the first day that we, maybe it was the second massage, I don't remember, but I looked at you and I was like, I like you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you remember that. I do, yeah, and I was like, I like you too. (laughs) So yeah, and I know I've talked about my quarantine on here before, and you were part of my quarantine during the pandemic, and I remember thinking like, you know, if if you're going to be cool and close with anybody during a pandemic, a physician <laughs> is a good person to have around in your corner. Or I could be the bringer of the disease. Or, the well, <laughs> but in my mind, it was like, well, if anybody's going to take extra precautions. Yes, which I did. Yes, it's <laughs> going to be sure. this person. So I appreciate that. Yep. Um, so what was, because I have a, f- a few friends now that either are you know, or I've had a few friends too that explain like residency life and becoming a physician and whatnot. And I have a friend now who's still in her residency too. And, um, Oh, did I meet her? Uh, yeah, I think so. Working out with her or something at one time. Yes. Yep. Yep. She's in Florida now. So, and there's a whole thing about age and residency thing too. So we can even talk about that in a moment. But when I had a friend like in my early twenties that was going through her residency, when she would tell me things, I was like, how in the fuck? Yeah. Like, I had yeah. no idea what you guys go through to become this. <laughs> what? How does that, how is that even, like, healthy for it's this not, to be the, okay, cool. It's not healthy at all. What was your red- residency life like as you stepped into this career? So, <clears throat> when people ask me that question, I kind of have to describe it as, if you look at medical school as, like, I'm going to compare it to the military for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, not that <clears throat> they're comparable, but that's the only thing I could think of that was kind of close. But medical school is like 
basic training. You know, like it sucks. You go to boot camp for basic training, and that's what medical school is like. And then residency is kind of like special ops training. You know, it's even more toxic, more sleep deprivation, more, you know, time away from your family, more specialized training. So if if you could think about it like that, that's kind of how it is, but mentally and academically, not physically. Right, <laughs> so, right. That's really physically challenging, but right. it's, you know. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. I don't know that I would do it over again if I had <laughs> right. a chance. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, it, it was very difficult. It was um, a lot of sleep. I mean, we, so I was before the the more recent changes in resident hours. So the <clears throat> federal government takes very close looks at how many hours a resident would put in in a day. And they have really cracked down on it a lot um, since I was in training, when I was in training, I was working 36 plus hours in a row without sleep. Mm. And I was caring for ICU level of care patients, which mm. are the sickest of the sick. Right. Um, under sleep deprivation. Under sleep deprivation. So that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like special ops training, yeah. right? They starve you, they waterboard you, they sleep deprive <laughs> you and see how you function in extremely stressful situations, which I feel like has a benefit. I feel like mm -hmm. that's useful, but also... It's torture. Right. <laughs> it's terrible. So, right. Um, and I feel like it sets a um, like an unrealistic foundation or expectation with how you're supposed to move with your own health moving yes. forward in your career. Right. Like, how can you help people feel better when you're practicing sleep deprivation and stuff? You can't. You can't because what we're trained to do, as I fix my hair here, um, mm -hmm. what we're trained to do is sacrifice our health. For the health of others. Right. I mean, that's essentially what that training does because we're expected to be there constantly on call for our patients 24-7 for a period of time. And it's not realistic in, you know, like actual practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that residency is that much different than what I do now, but it is mm -hmm. because I, I have a little more flexibility. I can say, hey, I can't do this this day. You know, I, I have time off, you know, things like that. Because you put in time over the years. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, essentially it, it, it's the equivalent of like boot camp and it's awful. And it's, it changed me. I mean, it may not do this to everybody, but it changed my mental health for the worse. Mm. And it's still, I'm still trying to recover from all of that. And then it just compounds over time, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's taken a lot of years for me to realize that I was as fucked up as some of the people that I'm treating, but mentally. Yeah. Um, that I didn't need to be trying to help other people when I was in that state because I was making myself worse. Right. Because I'm taking on a lot of the sadness and problematic things that happen with other people. You know, you give people bad news, you're mm -hmm. giving people, you're telling people that their loved one has died, mm -hmm. you, you you're telling them that they have an incurable illness. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, and for some people who can't cut it off, I'm one of those people mm. who I try to compartmentalize, but it's so hard to be like, hey, uh, you just have cancer and <laughs> right. good luck with that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't, yeah. can't do that. I can't yeah. do that. So, um, you know, when you put yourself that much into a career, it takes a toll. Mm -hmm. Like, it takes a big toll. So, and I know I'm not the only healthcare worker that feels that way. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this was all obviously pre-pandemic, I can't imagine what residents like now like have trained through the pandemic. I don't even know. I'm nervous know about them treating me. I, so me and you both, <laughs> so. me and you both. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like they need a disclaimer on the tag or something. Mm -hmm. I've got, already decided. Got I certifications during, during pandemic. Yeah. COVID trained. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm just going to be my own doctor. Yeah. Which I is, mean, I already am in yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, so exactly, it's fine. Exactly. Um, when it comes to like telling people the bad news like that, is that like, how do they go about teaching you guys that in school? Like, do they, is there a protocol or like, it's kind of an afterthought kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I think in, at least from my talking to my, like my program directors and my attendings that I looked up to during residency, they didn't really have any training on this. They did, It was like on the job training, right? <laughs> you know, like hey, you're a doctor now, so now you have to go tell this person they have something bad happening to them, and good luck, you know. And But now they provide a little kind of one class about how to, you know. It, it's like with everything else in medical school. They focus on a lot of stuff that's important, but also stuff that you don't necessarily carry forward with you into attending hood, but then they don't teach you, like, the practical shit. Right. Like, they don't tell you how to really, truly tell somebody that, their life is about to end right? or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. whatever kind of bad, awful news that you have to tell people in medicine. And you just have to kind of learn it as you go. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, um, I guess I, I took those little classes that we had in medical. I, mean, I didn't have a choice, but, um, but I try to take them to heart and really understand like what it, what would I feel like if somebody was coming to tell me this information? Mm -hmm. You know, I try to put myself in my patients and families' mm -hmm. perspective so that I understand how they feel. And it's just, it's, it's still difficult. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, no matter how much empathy and sympathy you provide for them, it's still, like, the worst news they've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And you have to support them through that. And you have to tell them over and over and over again because you don't hear that stuff yeah. the first time all the way through. Yeah, because you're in shock. Yep. So it's, it's, it's definitely one of those things. It takes a lot of practice mm -hmm. and not a good thing to have to practice. Right. right. So, so what was your background in like when you went to medical school? Cause whenever I met you, you told me that you also were, you had the label or title as a DO. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, like you're the first DO that I had actually been able to have conversations with. And then we had a lot in common with, our understandings of the body and how to treat things mm -hmm. and like a different viewpoint of just an MD. Right. So like, what's the difference in that? And what's your experience in learning that practice? So we are essentially trained identically. We learn the exact same information. We take the exact same, you know, anatomy and all, you know, the basic stuff. Everything's the same as far as that's concerned. It's more a philosophical approach on how we look at the body. So not that MDs don't do any of this, but DOs specifically emphasize these things in their in their um, educational programs, which is the body as a whole. It's not individual parts. It's not a heart, a lung, a right. brain, a whatever. It's a whole thing that functions together. One thing messes up. It has downstream effects to everything else. <clears throat> Our, the body is a self-healing mechanism. We are here as healthcare workers to provide assistance to help the body heal itself. Mm -hmm. Because our bodies can heal themselves. We don't have to necessarily throw a bunch of shit at it and, you know, chemicals. That sounds like some shit Shiana says. I thank yes. you. <laughs> I thank you. Um, but, I mean, it's true. I mean, our bodies can fix things. Mm -hmm. I mean, for the most part. Sometimes it, it gets a little out of whack and, mm -hmm. you know, we have to kind of get it back together. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the most part, that's, that's how DOs approach medicine. So... 
Not to say that all DOs are like this. Mm. Not to say that all MDs are not like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, I feel like I wanted to go into osteopathic training as opposed to allopathic, which is what we call traditional MD training. Um, I wanted to do that instead because I felt like it matched how I felt about the world and how I felt about healthcare and the human body and whatever already. So I felt like it matched my personal philosophy a lot better than MD training did. Right. Um, so in addition to the regular medical stuff that we learn, we also are trained in um, osteopathic manipulation therapy, which is, I kind of try to describe that as like a weird Frankenstein of chiropractic, physical therapy, and kinesiology. Okay. So it's kind of like a, it's a, it's kind of a little separate thing in addition to all the other stuff that we are learning in medical school. Okay. So we get a little extra stuff. Yeah. On top of the already boatload of things. Right. <laughs> Just Good times. In medical school. Good times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Do you think uh, the way the world is, I know it's like a slow process, uh, but the way the world is shifting now, do you think we'll see more DOs coming I hope forward? So. I hope so. I mean, they're opening schools up right and left to meet the needs of healthcare providers mm -hmm. because we just don't, there's not enough. Right. You know? People are living longer and longer now, and so there are just more needs for more physicians mm -hmm. and more physician extenders or APPs, nurse practitioners, PAs, mm -hmm. um, and you know, we just need more people. Mm -hmm. It's just such a deficit everywhere that, yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope that more people adopt the osteopathic way of thinking a little bit more mm -hmm. because I, I feel like we need that in this world. I feel like there's just a lot of garbage being thrown at things, you know, mm -hmm. being thrown at us as mm -hmm. people. And it's just, it, we need to, need some, yeah, got to change. We need some changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been saying this for, yes. yeah. since before I was born. Right. Um, so you, got to practice in the hospital before the pandemic, in the thick of the pandemic, and now, like, whatever the fuckery is happening right now. Yes, whatever the fuckery is like, happening. Like, <laughs> what have those stages been like? Like, what was hospital life like pre-pandemic for the staff, for the patients that you saw? I mean, what kind of patients do you see anyway for people that are like, what, what kind of doctor is she? <laughs> so um, I am an internal medicine-trained hospitalist, which basically means that I did not really practice in a clinic, like an office environment. We had to as part of our residency training requirements, but it was like a half a day a week, and that was about all I could handle with that. Mm. So I like the dynamics of a hospital, which is why I chose to do. And it's technically a specialty of internal medicine. So internal medicine is um, basically general practice medicine for adults, so 18 and up. And internal medicine is also what specializes. We do fellowships to become, you know, cardiologists, nephrologists, pulmonologists, you know, all the subspecialties. Mm -hmm. So um, that is kind of the background on internal medicine. So a hospitalist is someone who only practices in the hospital. I am a specialist in hospital medicine. I don't go back and forth from an office. Um, but the kind of people I take care of are really effing sick. Mm. Like they are just really sick mm -hmm. because they have to be in a hospital. I mean, we don't, the way insurance has evolved now, they're allowing. Has fewer, it evolved? Evolved in a bad way. <laughs> okay. In a bad way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they are paying for less and less hospital-based care. Mm -hmm. They are not allowing people, not, not that they don't allow, but they don't pay for people to be in the hospital for things that we normally would have hospitalized people for in, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Mm. So, you know, like, 
a mini stroke or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they don't, they they consider that not something that really needs to be in the hospital anymore. Which is wild. It is wild. So with that evolution on top of, you know, the pre-pandemic kind of typical hospital environment, it was kind of toxic, but not terrible. Mm-hmm. Like we generally had enough staffing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be where as a hospital employee, we would have kind of a lull in the summer and it would be kind of like a little summer break. Mm. And we'd have fewer people in the mm-hmm. hospital because they were all doing their thing, right? They were also probably getting more vitamins. More vitamins, more sunshine. Yeah, well, yeah. Inside, all those Living. things. Living. <laughs> and then in the, you know, the falls and winters are always notoriously terrible in a hospital because of flu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, flu was kind of like the worst thing we had to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God, is this going to be a bad flu year? Did mm-hmm. the vaccine did it do it or not? You know, right. what's going to happen? And that was like the worst thing we had to really worry about. You know, I mean, obviously, there are really sick people that come in that don't have the flu, whatever. Mm-hmm. We deal with that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just part of it. But, you know, those kind of things were the pre-pandemic world. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic came, and it absolutely dismantled everything mm-hmm. that was that was moderately okay in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, administrations were falling apart. People were Shocker. leaving. Right. <laughs> People were leaving in droves. I mean, it was just an absolute disaster in a hospital. On top of the fact that we have hundreds more people a day coming into our hospital to be treated because they can't breathe because mm-hmm. of the stupid virus. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and then I don't even want to get into the whole, like, political, political, politicization uh, that's not the uh, right word i know what you're talking i'm picking up what you're putting down making COVID a political issue yes. instead of a you know this is a healthcare issue this is everyone's issue mm-hmm. this is not a republican or a democrat mm-hmm. issue you know and then the vaccine started happening and then all that shit spun out of control mm-hmm. and then i had people coming in you know i don't i don't have COVID. i don't have they just didn't believe that right. they had the virus right because they it's it was a man-made thing and it didn't really yes. exist the politics, again. right, right, you know, and I get, you know, with the whole vaccine thing, I get it. If you don't want a vaccine, you don't want a vaccine. It's mm-hmm. cool. Like that's your choice. Mm-hmm. I don't. If it's a legitimate choice, not like I'm just being stupid and <clears throat> stubborn and I'm not going to do something because I don't believe in it. You know, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. Like it exists, whether it's man-made or not. It's killing people. Mm-hmm. Like 20 and 21 were some of the worst years of my life mm-hmm. because so much death. Mm-hmm, I mean, it was mm-hmm. just. Mm-hmm. everywhere so we got through all that and then we started to see kind of a a lot of turnover mm-hmm. you know with nurses and lobotomists and ancillary staff in the hospital just constant turnover fortunately our group hasn't turned over very much which I'm kind of surprised about because as hospitalists we bore the burden of COVID mm. the other subspecialists could oh, have yeah. kind of been like well they have COVID so I'm not going to go into the room yeah. I'm not going to see that person it's not urgent yeah you know? We didn't have that luxury. We had to see those patients. We were the ones, you know, in the ICU sometimes. We had to, because there were not enough ICU beds at our hospital. There weren't enough ventilators. There weren't enough, I mean, we were just kind of doing all the jobs. Yeah, winging it. Yeah, we were definitely winging it. (laughs) Definitely winging it. So, and then we, you know, on top of that, we just didn't know what we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, I know doctors are supposed to know a lot of stuff about healthcare. But they seem, people seem to think that we just didn't know what we were doing and we were just a bunch of assholes who were mm. just, you know, we, we didn't know what was going on. We mm-hmm. didn't, 
because this is all new. Yeah. You know, this was not a virus that we had previously had experience with. Right. We didn't know that it was going to cause long COVID. And right. All these, like long-term symptoms. We didn't know all that. Yeah. I guess how that's not something, because like, how do you, even in medical school and stuff, even the things that you learn, even when you get your onboard training in a hospital, I guess that's not something that they're like, hey, if a pandemic happens, right. this, this right. is how it's handled. I mean, they may now. Oh, right, right. <laughs> because, I mean, it, you, we were due for a pandemic. We yeah. haven't had one in a long time. Yeah. And people are like, eh, that'll never happen to us. Typical American thinking. Yes. I'm not saying that other countries didn't think that way, but Americans, Americans definitely, definitely did. Definitely do and did. And so we're like, eh, we're America. We can handle a pandemic. It won't be a big deal, you know? And it was downplayed, and, and we were not prepared. Yeah. Like, we were not prepared with equipment. We weren't prepared with staff. We weren't prepared at all for anything. Mm -hmm. And then we're getting all this mixed information from our own government mm -hmm. about, like the CDC, for example, about what to do, what not to do, mask, don't mask, mm -hmm. vaccinate, don't vaccinate, you know? Mm -hmm. just At like, least wash your hands, though. Yeah, freaking wash your hands. <laughs> I mean, wearing a mask and washing your hands will help with like 99% of all the viruses out there, period. Right, right. So that was, that was great advice. Mm -hmm. And people still stop doing it. Like mm -hmm. after a year or two, they're like, fuck this shit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wash my hands anymore. Mm -hmm. you know? It's mm -hmm. gross. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, wash your hands, people. Um, but, you know, after the pandemic, it's just been a Frankenstein. Mm. Like it's a Frankenstein hospital because we have a lot of new staff. And that probably got training in the, in the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yep, exactly. A lot of new staff that got trained in the pandemic, which means virtual, not yes. real people. Yes. You know, and it's it's a struggle because yeah. that's a big learning curve to go from virtual training yeah. to something that you have to do hands-on. Especially if you're already, you know, like timid or kind of reserved because right. you need to be, you kind of need that push mm -hmm. to like feel a little more comfortable actually right. engaging and interacting with the people that you're assisting and helping exactly because not all people are like your virtual patient no you know, not at all every single one of them is going to be completely different yes <laughs> and if you don't have that experience you don't know how to deal with it especially people who come at you in an aggressive manner because you've just told them they have covid and they don't believe in it mm. you know i i can't tell you how toxic healthcare is now it not that it wasn't before but it's even worse now with healthcare related violence mm. and aggression from patients and visitors and families i mean mm. it is bad it is bad out there. I mean, I have had many people slap me, kick me, spit on me. I mean, and nurses get it worse. Yeah. I mean, way worse because they're with those patients all yeah. day long for 12 hours. And I see why they were all quitting. Yeah, they were quitting for yeah. a reason because people are horrible when they're under stress sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that. We don't expect people to be rays of sunshine when they're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. But don't kick me and spit at me because I'm telling you, you need to get more blood drawn. I mean, right. I, I, you know, I'm sorry you're in a hospital. It's not the Ritz-Carlton. Right. You're on vacation. Right. We're here to help you to get better and get you out of the hospital. And if you don't participate, it makes it difficult. Yeah. So, but, you know, who goes back to a workplace where you're constantly under the threat of violence and contagious diseases that could kill you? Constantly. Yeah, you know, that doesn't sound like a good time at all. We're all fucked up in the head yeah. because we keep going back every day. <laughs> but It's like a catch-22. Like, I know I need to help the people, but also, <laughs> but at least you do things outside of work to yes. help balance. And yes. we'll, you know, we'll share that later. But, like, not everybody does. No, and, and we need to. Yeah, and we I know. a collective. Yes, and I know, like, um, maybe it was a holistic psychologist Somebody had posted something recently along those lines, like people need to realize that people that are take care, taking care of other people are sometimes not all the way well themselves. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, 
we are trained and conditioned so much in at least America. Like, and I know, again, that's shifting in a lot of ways, but like, if you get sick, go to the doctor, these are the rules, blah, 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 blah. But like, if your doctor has, you know, shit health, mm-hmm. like I remember when my mom had, and I think I told you this story before, when my mom had, is it called like an ischemic stroke, like a stroke in her mm-hmm. eye? Mm-hmm. And we went to the ER about it <clears throat> and the physician that was tending to her things or whatever, he had like the biggest like beer gut situation. And I remember just looking at him and like, just like judging very right, much so, right. but I was just like, I don't want to hear shit he has to say. Right. What's this going on? You right, know, like right. I don't want you to tell my mom shit. Yep. Cause you, you can't even take care of you. Mm-hmm. So do as I say, don't do as I yes, do. Yes. Like <laughs> this is not, this, this yeah. might not be your ideal career field, sir. Right. So yeah, but at least you do the things, but a lot right. more people need to do the things to help take care of themselves. Right. To prevent burnout. Yeah. Not even burnout, just to take care of themselves. Just take care of themselves. I mean, if you're going to promote health, I feel like you should use yourself as an example. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I do attempt to be as healthy as possible. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of my attendings when I was in residency, I had the same experience that you just did (laughs) because I had a cardiologist who who was in my training and I loved him. He was Mm -hmm. great. He was an excellent cardiologist, Mm -hmm. but he had had a heart attack. Oh, no. He was was obese. And I'm just like, bro, how are you going to tell people that they need to exercise and eat low cholesterol when you're not doing it? You know, like if I'm going to tell you to do it, I'm. I'm probably also doing yes. that. You know, I'm not smoking every day. I'm yeah. not drinking till I'm about to die. Yeah. You know, I'm not eating in excess. You know, I try to take care of myself mm-hmm. in a way to be an example, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't want to go to a hairstylist who has terrible hair. Right. Or a nail technician right. who has awful nails. Or a dentist with... Jacked up teeth. Yes. You don't like, want to do that. At all. I or, do the same thing. Yeah. Like, I don't trust doctors who can't take care of themselves essentially and so I needed to step up because my mental health had been suffering quite a bit during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and and even before Mm -hmm. you know but the pandemic clearly just well for a lot of people yeah and I feel like for me and I remember thinking like this is ass backwards like I felt amazing during like I outside of the you know extreme uh paranoia right because I lived solo and I would be checking my blood pressure and my um, my pulse ox. I mm-hmm. ordered one of those pulse oxes yep. from Amazon. Outside of those things, yep. I had a great mental. I was looking at like pictures and I was like, look at my skin shining. I wasn't mm-hmm. scheduling facials at the time, obviously, right. but like I was outside all the time. Right. I was outside all the time. I was meditating so much mm-hmm. and like I didn't have many stressors because even the like the push for like this needs to be paid right, right now, even that had some more like mm-hmm. lax. Like, it was like, oh, when you get around to it, you know, like, it's fine. Um, And then, like, but I saw the opposite side of that for a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I was like, we don't even know what this is going to look like later. Mm -mm. And I think it's gotten worse. Yeah. So, like, I was going to say, what do you think the hospital is going to look like, you know, moving forward from pandemic things? I'm having a hard time seeing it return to pre-pandemic. I mean, I really am because mm-hmm. I feel like it has changed so drastically and permanently. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're all so hyper aware and hyper vigilant of of everything, mm-hmm. like everything all the time, fight mm-hmm. or flight all the time. Mm-hmm. That I don't think it will ever go back to being more a little more relaxed like mm-hmm. it was before, and I I don't think the administrators of hospitals also plan on it going back to mm-hmm. how it was before because. They were getting us to do more than we were technically being paid to do 
without paying us Mm -hmm. because they were getting grants from the government for COVID, like a lot of all hospitals Mm -hmm. pretty much Mm -hmm. did. And that money's gone now. And so they want us to continue our hardworking pandemic, you know, philosophy and approach to, to work that we were having during the pandemic. And it's just not possible. anymore. Right. I mean, we're year four. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't Which have Which is wild to say, by I the know. way. I know. I know. But it's definitely a lot better. Mm-hmm. But now we've got the viral apocalypse that's happening because we've got all three of the probably the worst viruses that you could have going on all at once, mm-hmm. COVID, influenza, and RSV. Mm-hmm. And they're, mm-hmm. all, they're all bad. Mm-hmm. Not that that could not turn into a pandemic, but it probably won't. But, you know, it's 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 still there. That mm-hmm. stuff is still, like, it's like sitting on our shoulder, like whispering in our ear, mm-hmm. hey, I'm still hey. here. Hey. Hey. You see me? <laughs> um, and, you know, I like to talk about preventive things, especially because holistic Um, And I remember, and I've shared this before, when I went, me and my mom were talking about this recently, years ago, when she had, you know, flex spending account or something, and she, it was the end of the year, and she needed to use the rest of it, and the only thing she could buy was, like, the medicine to fix what was already broken. Mm -hmm. She couldn't buy vitamins, she couldn't buy, like, preventive stuff, it was only, like, Motrin or, you know, cough medicine after you were already sick. Right. Um, So, moving forward with, like... You know, obviously that way isn't working. It's not. It never has. Right, right. But why do you think there's such resistant on resistance on that holistic approach? That's a great question. I feel like it's so layered. I feel like a lot of times people don't want to do it because it's it takes maybe a little more work in the front end. You know, like you got to remember to take your vitamins, you got to exercise, you got to drink your water, you got to do all these things. And so that seems like that's silly. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I can wait till do that tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then tomorrow turns into next week, which is next month, which is three years from now, which doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if people would be more inspired to develop habits, like daily habits mm-hmm. that, that you speak about a lot, drinking your water, writing the shit down, mm-hmm. taking getting outside, getting outside, <laughs> taking a little walk. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like if people got into those habits earlier rather than later, like earlier in their life rather mm-hmm. than later, it would prevent so many chronic diseases mm-hmm. that I see and treat every day that mm-hmm. are 100% preventable. Right. You know? Diabetes is preventable. Right. Hypertension is preventable. Right. COPD is preventable. Those are the things that people come in most commonly with. Mm. And so if, if, if we would, and you know, as doctors, we try to educate our patients, mm-hmm. but it's like in one ear and out mm-hmm. the other most mm-hmm. of the time because the American culture is not to do those things. Mm-hmm. It's to eat shit, sit on your couch, Netflix and chill. Argue and on Twitter. Argue on Twitter, <laughs> say bullshit on social media to people <laughs> who you've never met mm-hmm. and create you know, mental illness in them, and then wonder why when you're 55 years old, you suddenly have COPD and a bad heart and colon cancer. Mm-hmm. With your Diet Coke on the With side. With your Diet Coke on the side. <laughs> I'm like, it's not a mystery here. Mm-hmm. It's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. Like, you should have been doing this shit 20 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't just do things in the immediate and expect an immediate outcome. And I feel like that's that Western medicine. Yes. Approach. Yeah, it's, we have a pill for that. It's instant gratification. And that's Western medicine, all medicine, has evolved into that, Western medicine especially, because we are overwhelmed with the amount of dis-ease in this country that it's just not, we just don't have the time or the manpower to, or woman power to, like, 
help people learn how to prevent things. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. tons of information on the internet, mm -hmm. although some of it's garbage. Right. But, but there's a ton of good information on the internet that can help you in your path to prevent disease, to prevent having to come and see me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to see people in the hospital. Mm -hmm. It's bad when you have to see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'd much rather people be like, hey, I just started this new walking program <laughs> and I'm eating more plant-based foods <laughs> and I'm cutting sugar out of my life. You know, mm -hmm. I'd much rather hear that. Mm -hmm. Please mm -hmm. do everything you can not to come and see me. Right. I, I would appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I was in an Uber... Uh, just before one of my Salt Cave events recently. <clears throat> and when I got in the car, and I shared this on my pod, I guess my last episode, but the Uber driver was telling me how he was just um, getting blood work because he had just fought and won cancer things. Mm -hmm. And um, he was saying how his physician was telling him he needed to change his diet. And he was like, yeah, and I want some, like, supplements and stuff. And I was like, sir, like, okay, yay, supplements. But it's not just going to be about supplements, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, so with, I mean, even outside of him, we're seeing more and more headlines and more and more news, even though I do my best to avoid the things yep. about news, Me too. uh, but we're seeing more and more instances of cancer in younger people mm -hmm. or just not even just younger people, just more cancer. Yeah. Like what can we do to prevent that? Well, the more cancer is, is multifactorial. So it's. We have better detection mm -hmm. now. Okay. We are That's detecting fair. earlier. We are screening people earlier. So we are detecting more cancers. But, you know, the hope is to detect them, to detect them in an earlier stage right. so that they can be treatable and fixable. With that being said, um, we at least, I'm, I'm a Gen X to expose my age. I'm a Gen <laughs> X. But Gen X and the kind of, younger boomer era, we, and, and everybody younger than me, we have all been exposed for almost all, if not all of our lives to chemicals and mm -hmm. plastics. Mm -hmm. And that this is a whole other podcast, but. No, I talked about this before when it, it went from the cigarette company to now we're going to push the processed foods. Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I mean, processed foods, packaged in plastic, PFAS, the forever chemicals that we talk about. I mean, we have all been exposed to them for so long, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of a lot of things about those chemicals are not known and they don't know how it impacts our health. But I can't imagine that chemicals and plastics and nasty processed foods are not affecting our genetics somehow. Right. I mean, it, it would be a scientific improbability for them to not be affecting us right. because we are consuming them. They're getting into our organs they're affecting our DNA. And when you, th you talk about things started no, start starting to affect DNA, that's when you start talking about cancer. Mm. Because cancer, we all have abnormal DNA that happens, mm -hmm. you know, from for whatever, for stressors in our bodies, things that we eat, things that we do. And our body's constantly repairing them. Mm -hmm. But if your body is not healthy to begin with, or if you have the genetic predisposition to something, then those abnormalities can turn into big abnormalities, which can turn into cancers. So if we're not doing things to help our bodies get rid of those abnormalities in our DNA and our genetics, like eating healthy food, drinking enough water, you know, doing all the preventative things like we talk about. And yes, supplements can play a role in that. But that's unfortunately an American problem, too, that we think that we're going to take a pill and it's going to fix everything. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. nothing works like that. Mm -hmm. The body doesn't work like that. Supplements don't work like that. Mm -hmm. So... 
the reason I think that we're detecting so many cancers at an earlier age now is because we have been exposed to these things for longer mm -hmm. than our parents have, for mm -hmm. example. Um, you know, we didn't used to have tons of pesticides on foods. You know, our my grandparents grew all of their food. They didn't use pesticides. Right. They just grew a garden. And right. we ate it every Sunday at the right. dinner table. I mean, right. that was how we ate. But that's not how we eat now. That's not how our food is processed now. You know, our food in America is incredibly unhealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, the, it's banned in a lot of other countries. It's banned in a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at how Europe, let's just, just take Europe, for example. You look at how they process their dairy and their meat animals. Mm -hmm. It is nothing like what we do here. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing like what we do at all. And it's unhealthy. I mean, we're consuming unhealthy things. You think that lean piece of chicken is good for you, but that chicken was sick as shit before it died. <laughs> right. You know, and you, you can't. Full of chemicals. Yeah, and you can't even, like, trace that either. Mm -hmm. You can't say, was this a healthy chicken? Mm -hmm. You can't because like, you don't know. You just have to assume that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, here in Lexington and West Columbia, we have a chicken plant. And almost every day I see those poor chickens piled up on that truck. Mm-hmm. Feathers blowing Feathers out everywhere. It, everywhere yep. Off to their death. Yeah. And they look sick. They yeah. look terrible. And I'm thinking. And they're all packed, packed in there. In there. Yep. They're miserable. They've had their beaks chopped. They've had their wings chopped. Like they're miserable. Mm -hmm. Like you're wanting to eat an animal that's stressed the fuck out. That, I mean, stress is bad on humans. Can you imagine what it's like on a small animal? Right. And consuming stress. You're consuming it. Yep. So you're consuming it literally and figuratively. And then that that has downstream effects for our body. So I think in my medical theory, that this is probably the biggest reason why we're noticing more cancers now in younger people. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's frightening. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we're all at risk for it. And if, if our generations don't start making those changes to where we're, you know, trying to be healthier, eat less processed things, reduce our plastic use, reduce our forever chemical exposure. That's almost impossible. But, <laughs> um, we can do our best, mm -hmm. right? But if we don't start doing those changes now when we're younger, mm -hmm. when we get to be 50 years old, we're going to be fucked. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, mm -hmm. we're absolutely going to be fucked because we're going to be diagnosed with something, mm -hmm. like whatever it is, a, a chronic, a, like a chronic inflammatory condition, right. autoimmune disease, a cancer, you know, something. So... And when you mentioned how, you know, cancer is basically altering your DNA and stuff, I've heard some people that take the, is it BRCA? There's some tests, um, mm -hmm. did I say that right? Mm -hmm. There's some tests that can detect, what, breast cancer, breast cancer or something? and ovarian and a few others, but mostly breast cancer. Yeah. So, but I've heard some people, like, they take that test and then they're like, yes, it was trace or like, it's a possibility. So let me have a double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. Like, do you feel like that is a necessary precaution or do you think there's an alternate route for that? I think with genetic abnormalities like that, I feel like if you want to be aggressive about it, I feel like that's a, and I probably would do that. Like if I knew that I had that gene mm -hmm. and I knew that I was almost guaranteed to get a breast cancer in my life, I would probably also have a double mastectomy just to get rid of it. You know, I like to think about the and, you know, we go back and forth with the like science versus the the woo woo things or right. like the mix of it and stuff, you know, doing things like the other things that can alter your DNA, like diet changes yes. and meditation mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You don't think that those could play a part in preventative? Absolutely. I think they do. I, I 100 percent believe that they do. Now, with specific genetic abnormalities, I don't know how much of a part they would play. I don't know that if you had 
the BRCA gene if you could truly prevent, I don't know that anybody would want to test it out. Right, honestly. right, right, right. But, but on top of that, I don't know that that, that amount of genetic abnormality could be overcome by other, like doing preventative things mm-hmm. like supplements and water and walking and mm-hmm. sunshine and, you know. Yeah. Foods. Cause it's like the, the debate of nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Like what can you, what can you do things with? And like, mm-hmm. what is just like, okay, this, these are the cards you're dealt. Like right. this is how it needs to be handled. Right. Now there are some, you know, like I said before, we alter our, our DNA, which we have currently in us. We, we alter that constantly as we age. And as we age, we have less and less ability to repair damaged DNA. So that's why our cancer risk increases as we get older. Gotcha. But as we get older, we can also do things to change that, yeah, which yeah. are helping our bodies deal with stressors better, mm-hmm. helping our bodies by, you know, eating, you know, we always say Mediterranean diet, and a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know what that means. But basically, it's like more plant-based foods, more whole foods instead of processed, you know, natural sugars and not processed sugars, you know, and don't you know, just eat a muffin and a Diet Coke every morning mm-hmm. for breakfast, you know. The, the Mine was a Pop-Tart and Mountain Dew in high school. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that was about Strawberry. Was a waffle. Mine was a, a Eggo. Just one Eggo? Orange juice, two. two okay. Eggos, two Eggos <laughs> and some orange juice. At least you had the orange juice going. Mm-hmm. I had Mountain Dew. And sugar. Yeah, <laughs> so like, <laughs> but we different generation. Things, right? right. Yeah, I mean, different generation. We learn. We, we, we do. Learn. We live we're and like, we learn. Okay, well. I don't know the last time I had a Mountain Dew. <laughs> Mountain Dew is not my jam. It's I, not mine either, yeah, but no, still, like I that know. brought back some some memories just mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. I feel like as I've gotten older, those kind of drinks give me headaches, mm. so I just have avoided them altogether. I still like I do still like a, a good ginger ale though. I like I like ginger ale too. You're right. That's the one exception to the mm-hmm. sodas. I'll have a ginger ale every once in a while. But and you know, like the medicinal. grandmas. I was gonna say, you know, the grandmas <laughs> always said, like, have some ginger ale. Like, it's gonna it fix is. everything. It's medicinal. Ginger ale and um, what would I do when I was sick? Ginger ale and, you know, Ricky Lake and Jenny Jones mm-hmm. and, like, mm-hmm. whatever else was on TV. So that was – made yep. me feel better. Yeah, mine was young and restless. Okay, yep. I feel like I've seen both, like, yeah, when yeah, people yeah. Yeah. post about them. Yep. Like, uh, the – Ginger ale, chicken soup. Yep. Young and restless. Yep, home – like, home from school starter pack yeah. or something like – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ginger yeah. ale, young – yeah. Right. Yep, yep. That was, like, 9 a.m., I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Was that was, like, yeah. Every time I hear that on, like, if I'm rounding in the hospital and I hear the prices right, come on. <laughs> it still like, comes oh, on. It's nostalgic, yeah. Oh. And I, I, I hear it, and I'm like, oh, it's the price is right. It takes <laughs> oh, me that time childhood. I was sick. That time I was sick. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, when we were discussing inflammation things and such, and you and I have had these conversations before because <clears throat> I'm not sure how much it happens as – a hospitalist or like the patients you're seeing. But over the years, when I've had clients, they come to me when I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on. What are we going to work on? What are we working through? And I don't like using this word even. It's the F word. Y'all know I like to use the other F word, but this one. (laughs) Fibromyalgia. And like, before I offend any, I'm not even going to say before I offend anybody. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions on it. Um, it's, I don't, it's not, I don't feel like it's a made up thing. It's I just not. feel like it's a lot of things thing. It is. And, and that's just a good word to be like, there's a lot of things happening. Mm-hmm. So what is your uh, medical professional take on fibromyalgia? What it is, what it does to the body, like what's happening? So it is a very complex disease process, but 
I feel like as you've spoken before and you've, you've posted a lot about this actually, that emotional things can manifest itself as physical things in the body. Mm-hmm. So we don't know a ton about fibromyalgia, but what we do know is it is deeply rooted in emotional things. Mm. Like, you know, we, we have a disease process called irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. A lot of people are familiar with that. Also, a disease deeply rooted in emotions. Mm. People who have high stress, high emotion, high anxiety, high depression tend to have these diseases. So we're seeing, you know, again, this is another example of how we can't separate emotions and physical. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't we can't separate those two because they are everything in the body, including our emotions, are all intertwined. So we have these diseases that we recognize as chronic diseases. Fibromyalgia is technically a chronic inflammatory, chronic pain disease because basically it manifests itself in pain and. It's surprising how many people meet the criteria for fibromyalgia because you go, for example, if you go to a rheumatologist, which is a specialist that treats these type of diseases, you have a little test done, which is basically them digging their thumb down in pressure points on your body, like in all these, I forget how many there are, but there are a bunch of pressure points on your body. And if you have pain in a certain number out of the number of points there were, then you qualify as having a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. So... I was rotating with a rheumatologist when I was in residency, and she did this test on me. She was like, everybody's got fibromyalgia. (laughs) I was like, okay, I don't have fibromyalgia. I don't know what you're talking about. A stressed-out resident. Okay, (laughs) Right, right. Of course I don't. All y'all probably had it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We all have it. Yeah. Almost all, probably everybody in healthcare has it. (laughs) But anyway, she was, she's this tiny little lady, and she was like digging her thumb in all these places. I was like, oh, 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 oh. And she was Mm -hmm. like, you've got fibromyalgia. I told you. And I was like... <laughs> anyway, so I was disappointed, right? I was like, I can't believe I have this. This is crazy. This thing I don't even this like. Thing it's I like don't even, I, don't even, I don't even understand it. Mm-hmm, I don't even mm-hmm. understand. I'm fine. I'm, my emotions are fine. I don't have any. Problems. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. As the flames are yes. licking up the sides of my face. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but um, but it it is it is one of those diseases that we don't understand, but we do know that it's very emotion based mm-hmm. and. Unfortunately, Western medicine, in my opinion, fails to address the causes, the the root source of this disease. Mm -hmm. So we throw pain medicines at people. And as we know, that's another pandemic that we have, which is the pain medicine, the drugs, the narcotics, the opiates. You know, it's awful. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's still awful, you know, despite the fact that we've tried to cut back as physicians, try to cut back on our prescribing of it, that need is not anywhere near decreased. Mm. Like people want it more, 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 mm-hmm. and now they're going to the streets mm-hmm. and getting it off the streets, and then they're coming in with those problems. So back to fibromyalgia. <laughs> people in this country get thrown pain medicine. When fortunately it's been shown that a treatment modality such as acupuncture is actually a better treatment for fibromyalgia than drugs ever are. Drugs are a Mm band-aid. You know, drugs mm -hmm. cover up pain. It doesn't take it away. It doesn't fix the source of the problem. It doesn't address your emotions. Mm -hmm. Whereas something like acupuncture Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. It addresses all those things and the pain. Yep. So instead of us recommending acupuncture to people, people are like, acupuncture, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. That's Mm -hmm. weird Chinese medicine. Eh." Mm -hmm. You know, people... It doesn't even really work. It doesn't even work. It's pretend. Yeah, it's all fake. But, okay, let me take the that Norco. Hand me, right. hand, hand me that Percocet. Right. You know, they're all about that because it's a quick fix, like mm-hmm. we talked about before. You know, Western medicine has 
really gotten away, in my opinion, from being the the way people need to go for their general health and more like we're firefighters, essentially. We put out fires. Mm. We throw some a bucket of water on this dumpster fire of a right. person. Like, okay, now you're better. Okay, right, bye. right. Here's an antibiotic. Here's yeah. a, whatever. That's just not how it works. Like, yeah. our bodies don't work like that. So my personal approach to this for my patients and myself is to combine Eastern and Western medicine. I'm not an Eastern medicine practitioner of any sort, Mm -hmm. but I I see one. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) she helps me to kind of understand that point of view so that I can help my patients understand that there are other things out there besides drugs. Yes. You know, there are other, not that drugs are bad, but you know, drugs are bad sometimes. Right. In these situations, like fibromyalgia, because it's just not. Anything's bad in excess. Yes, absolutely. 100% agree with that. But except fiber, love. Except love. Yeah. You can't have too specify. much love. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's just not, it's, it's just a weird disease that we just don't have a grasp on, I mm-hmm. think. And we're, and the patients don't necessarily want to do the things because they're in an emotional state, I think, that prevent is blocking them from going forth and being more aggressive about their mm-hmm. health care because they're depressed mm-hmm. or they're anxious. I mean, depression does such stupid, fucked up stuff yeah. to our brain. It makes us not motivated to want to do anything. Yeah, it puts us very much in survival mode. Yes. And, like, if you're in survival mode, like, why would I go and get help for that right now? Yes. I, I ain't got time. effort. <laughs> yeah. I got to go to somebody and they're going to stick needles in me. Why am I going to do that? I got to feed myself. I gotta, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a troubling situation. But in those patients who are willing to seek alternatives other than narcotics Mm -hmm. you know it's there are things out there Mm -hmm. I mean in fibromyalgia like I said it's it's an emotional manifestation in the physical Mm -hmm. and makes sense yeah it's it's a weird disease Mm -hmm. but we're learning more about those diseases now I think with you know technology and whatever but it's just we we still don't have good ways to treat things like that yeah you know in in western medicine yeah exactly and I do think um because you know of course I'm always like touching base on the emotions associated with the other, I can say, yeah, I could say diseases because I'm, I'm labeling which energy center is associated with whatever's Mm -hmm. off or whatever. So it's like what, what has been brewing or what whispers have people ignored in that Mm -hmm. spot that's Mm -hmm. been like, I've been trying to tell you about this, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it's all of a sudden grown into this huge problem. Yeah. So, yeah. And that, that tends to be when people see people like me, mm. you know, like we go to Western doctors whenever the shit has hit the fan, mm-hmm. right? Like most of us aren't going to the doctor. Hey, what's your advice on preventing? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. Most mm-hmm. people aren't going to the doctor for that. Right. They're like, I don't want to go to that damn doctor unless I absolutely have to. Yep. Unless yep. I'm half dead. Yes. You know, that, that's, that's the philosophy in America. And, and I get it. I mean, I really do. That's how we practice. Mm-hmm. That's how our practice has evolved. I'll put it that way. We didn't used to practice like that. But it's kind of, we have to adapt to our patients, right? So, you know, you'd go outside of this country, you know, you would see all kinds of interesting modalities Mm -hmm. being used for people in a preventative manner, Mm -hmm. you know, and a different lifestyle and everything else. I mean, our our country has jacked us all up so much. Like, we just have to be go-getters and hustling all the time. Yeah, very yang energy, very, like, masculine-driven, clearly patriarchal-driven lifestyles. yes. There's no rest. There's no naps. There's no, no time for that. Siesta. Have more coffee. Like just take a Red Bull and let's go. Yes. Like 20 hours a day. You got to yes. be working, you know, and that's just not how our bodies are designed. It's how our brains are designed. Right. We're not supposed to be like that. Right. 
And speaking of uh, like go mode and do more and take the drugs to make it happen. Um, so I do have obviously strong opinions about fibro, mm -hmm. but I feel like the strong opinions I have about fibro are the same strong opinions people have about ADHD and ADD. They think it's this made up, well, um, not everybody, but those who don't understand it, they think it's this made up thing. And there are studies, yes, that like changes in your diet, different things with your lifestyle can help mm -hmm. your ADHD symptoms. However, um, it doesn't, it's not always going to fix all the things, even right. if you change your everything completely. Right. So I guess, what is the difference in that kind of diagnosis versus like a muscular fiber? Is, am I asking this question right? How, how is it that I can believe in 80? Well, obviously I've been diagnosed with ADHD too though, and I haven't been diagnosed with fibro, but why is it that there's this stigma maybe about ADHD and it doesn't feel like the same stigma with physical pain? I think because Americans in general kind of put taboos on mental things anyway, which ADHD is a mental health issue, just like anxiety and depression. I mean, we, we've, I think, just fairly recently, in, in my opinion, have become more accepting of people who have these diseases. You know, they're legit, mm -hmm. and they cause physical things. Mm -hmm. Because, again, we can't separate those two. We can't separate our brains and our bodies. It doesn't work like that. Dang. I know. I'd probably we, we get so to. much more done. <laughs> I know. We try to. It, mm -hmm. It's just you can't do it. And so when people have ADHD, you know, I feel like society tells them that they're blaming their inability to focus and accomplish things on their mind. Mm -hmm. They're too mm -hmm. hyper. You know, that's a kid's diagnosis. Mm -hmm. But it's not because... I mean, at least when I was a kid growing up in the 80s, um, I didn't know very many kids who had ADHD. Mm -hmm. It wasn't diagnosed very often. Mm -hmm. And now it's become way more frequent. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, I feel like we've kind of overshot it. I feel like it's getting overdiagnosed mm -hmm. a little too much now because, you know, if a eight-year-old doesn't want to sit still in their classroom for eight hours a day. Right. Oh, they must have ADHD. Right. What fucking kid can do that? Right. I what can't do it as an that? adult. Right. So. Like, we all have about 10 to 15 minutes of, of focus, mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to learning and school and things like mm -hmm. that. And if you don't, you know, kind of stay on top of that, you're going to lose people. Mm -hmm. And they're going to just be off, you know, staring off into space yeah. and doing all kinds of other stuff. Kids. I mean, you know, you can't help it. But I feel like it's gotten a little overdiagnosed. But I also feel like there are not great treatments for it either. You know, yes, you can change lifestyle things. You can help improve the inflammation. Every Almost all of us have some form of chronic inflammation mm -hmm. just because of our world that we live in. Mm -hmm. But if you can improve those things, it may help your ADHD. It may help your fibromyalgia. It may help all kinds of other right. chronic illnesses, right. diabetes, hypertension. All those stem from chronic inflammation too. But... You know, at some point, you do need some medication for it sometimes, you know, depending on what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. You know, if you really need to focus on something, like mm -hmm. you're a air traffic controller. Probably Don't get 80. me started on flight things right now. I know, right? <laughs> um, you know, like, that's one of the most stressful jobs in the world. Right. Like, if you have ADHD, you're not going to survive. Right. Or you're going to kill people. Right. You know? If you're not something. focused. You're not right. Focused. <laughs> right. So, it, it impacts people in a big way with their lifestyle and their careers, especially. So... I feel like the taboo behind that is the same taboo behind getting help 
you know, for other mental mm-hmm. health issues, you know, Makes like sense. we're all just expecting each other to just adapt and do everything. What's and like you? our brains all should be the same too. Yeah. Like we should all operate this way. And it's like, right. no, that's not how my brain works. Right. Exactly. Everybody's brain works differently. Yeah. Everybody functions at a different level when, when, with regards to focus and concentration and things like that. Some people are really good at it. Some people are terrible at mm-hmm. it. That's just how humans are. Mm-hmm. We're not all this. We're not robots. Mm-hmm. We're not homogenous. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so I feel like taking the stigma off of it will help some. I mean, I feel like people talking about it, mm-hmm. you know, getting it out there, saying, hey, it's okay to have these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay if you have these things. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just how your brain works. Yeah. And it, it, it can be adjusted. We, yeah. There are things that can help. You but, just got to learn what tweaks you need to make for your yeah, own personal exactly. development for it. It's not a one-size-fits-all treatment either. At all. I mean, some people respond well to the stimulant medication. Some people don't. Some people respond well to herbal things. Some people don't. You know, it's just you got to kind of trial and error it because it's not something that is predictable. Mm-hmm. It's it's more, you know, you got to try it on for size. Mm-hmm. So, Which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and as far as like chronic inflammation goes, cause clearly that is a thing in the U S that is becoming a thing even more. And I don't know, did you watch that show painkiller? Did we talk? Yes. About- okay. Yeah. So I was younger than when that whole opioid crisis was big, big. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't invested in knowing what the fuck was happening at the time. Right. So now my understanding of it as I'm an adult looking back, I'm like, Oh shit. And like, I see how that escalated and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm seeing how they've just now changed the drug essentially, or not changed the drug. They just, the things that have escalated now in comparison, it's a cycle or right. whatever. Right. Um, the fentanyl crisis. I hate fentanyl. <sighs> I mean, I feel like a lot of healthcare people say this too though. We like, do. Yeah. We do. I hate it. I mean, we use it. I used to use it all the time when I was a resident in the ICU to put people, to sedate people when they're on ventilators. Mm-hmm. That's what we use that drug for. It is used for anesthetic purposes, not for recreational drug use. Right. Which is why people are dying when they're sniffing the powder of it in the air. I mean, EMTs, paramedics are dying because someone has used it and the mm. the powder is on their body somewhere and they'll get it on their skin and they, they die. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? This is not something that needs to be used recreationally. Right. How we got to this point, I have no idea. Yeah. Like I, I, feel, I, I feel like I got a suspicion. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, I know, I understand the reasoning behind using narcotics. It's treatment of emotional pain, not physical pain, mm. but we can't use those recreationally. Those drugs are not meant to be used outside of an healthcare environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really not. Mm-hmm. I mean, fentanyl is like, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just, mm-hmm. you can't, people are just dead. Yeah. Like instantly. It's yeah. not heroin. You can do a little Narcan and, and bring them back to life, mm-hmm. but fentanyl, it's almost instant. Mm-hmm. And for some people, yeah. I mean, and it's the tiniest amount too. It's not like you can compare it to, you know, heroin or Coke or any of those other things where you can kind of guess at how much you can handle two little micrograms yeah. like there's an ad um close to my hospital that shows the, a pencil and it shows the powder on the tip of the pencil and that's all it takes mm. two milligrams is an enormous 200 micrograms for those of us not good at math and we usually use 10 micrograms to treat pain in people so you can't even you can't even get that much powder to use it 
medicinally, like out, like if you used it recreationally, you can't even, you couldn't even lick that. Much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. such a small quantity that we use to provide pain relief in mm-hmm. extreme cases like cancer patients and that kind of thing. There are patches or other, you know, ways to take that medication, but it's in such small quantities mm-hmm. than what's available on the street. And on top of that, they're making it in pretty rainbow colors so that the children are getting right, a hold of it. Right. I mean, what, what the fuck? Like, what are we doing? Uh, uh, America. <laughs> I just, I just, America. Oh, God, it hurts my head. <laughs> I mean, it just, the fentanyl thing is just blowing my mind, mm-hmm. honest to God. I never am, mil- I get heroin, you know, I get all that. I get mm-hmm. it. But fentanyl, mm-hmm. and the, the bitch about it, too, is that if you come into the ER and we, we drug test you, we're not cops, we're not mm-hmm. going to turn you in. Mm-hmm. But we just want to know what we're dealing with, right? Fentanyl doesn't show up on a regular drug screen. It's a synthetic opioid. Mm. So what we detect on a urine drug screen are natural opioids Mm -hmm. um, and other other things too. But non-synthetic things that we can easily detect in the urine. But synthetic things like bath salts and fentanyl and all this other garbage Mm -hmm. people are running around out there with. We don't know what it is. So we, mm. we, if somebody looks like they've had an overdose on a narcotic and it's not showing up on a drug screen, we have to assume that it's probably fentanyl. Yeah. Because it's so prevalent out yeah. there right now. That's just, wild. Our world is in such a, a bad state that we've got to treat our emotional pain with narcotics. And yeah, I just, I don't know. America. It's too much. Yay. It's America. Hey, America. Yes. <laughs> Let's treat it all with a pill. Yeah. Got to be treated with a pill. And a bad pill. Yeah. Unless you're learning from people like us and learning the holistic approaches. Yes. And the other things you can do because these things exist. Yes. Um, Speaking of preventive or not preventive, holistic approaches, you have come to many of my Reiki things. You have. And I appreciate you for that. (laughs) But you have also even learned Reiki too. I did. As well. In medical school, actually. Which is wild and amazing. And I, I want more of that happening as well. Same. But I tell people it's nice. And I had an episode before where I said, like, it's nice to have certain people in your life. Like, you want an astrologer. You want um, a physician. You know, you want, like, certain people you want in your corner because you just know you're going to be good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're one of those people that it's it's cool to be able to say, hey, I know, like, I practice some of this woo-woo shit. However, can we, like, talk about the science of it? Like, does yeah. this make sense? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I like talking about this shit, too. I love talking about this shit. And I had uh, the Reiki sound bath um, fairly recently. And awesome. Thank you. Everybody come to it. Yes, yes. And um, and you've been to the Salt Cave, too, mm-hmm. when I did Reiki in there. And yep. I was asking, like, the differences in both of them. But then I had also asked you because somebody, two participants – from the sound bath event messaged me about some of the things they had experienced after. And I messaged you like, please explain one of these, or please explain more about this. So one of them, and I'll have to like share a picture somehow with the people listening to this, but one of them was one of the participants, her handwriting changed. It was like before very like scattered. And then after the sound bath, it was very like fluid and concise and it looked more legible. And then I had somebody else who said, hey, like I organized my whole closet. Um, I didn't take any drugs or anything. The only thing I noticed, (laughs) I didn't eat anything different. The only thing I noticed that was different was the sound bath. Mm -hmm. And I messaged you like, hey, could this be a thing? Like, what's the science? So, I mean, I don't know the precise science, but what would make sense in my medicine brain is that, you know, sounds have for a long time been therapeutic. 
you know, sound, it, it, it's an energy that we can't see, obviously, but we process sound all the time in our ears, and then it processes in our brain, and certain sounds to our brain are more comforting than others, right? We all know, like, the most annoying sound in the world. Mm-hmm. We can all think mm-hmm. of it, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's, it's a stressor, mm-hmm. right? Other things, other sounds, like solfeggio frequencies and things like that, provide a more relaxing, comfortable wavelength for our brain, and that can, in turn, cause kind of a a stabilization of our brain waves in certain areas mm-hmm. so that we can kind of slow down and we can, you know, maybe think things through a little bit longer and not rush into things and not, you know, and stay a little bit more organized because we're thinking about things a little mm-hmm. more clearly and we have a little more organization to our brain. So, I mean, I, I definitely feel like there is science there. I think we don't, we just don't know enough about neurologic science. I mean, we're learning more, but mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. still kind of a mystery mm-hmm. subject. It's like the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, just we know a where lot. Where do we begin? But we don't know a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So I, I feel like there's a lot of science to be discovered there, and I feel like it's it's super legitimate. I mean, we we talk constantly about how things like meditation and, and like guided meditation and sounds and, and all these things. I mean, we use, we use lullabies to make babies go to sleep. Right. I mean, it's, it's the same right. science, you know, we, we use certain sounds to relax us, which in turn helps our brains kind of chill out a little bit. And that can help us think better and clearer and be more organized and focused. So I feel like there's a lot of room for a lot more, more intelligent neuroscientists than I to look into that, but mm-hmm. I think there is definitely legit science behind it. It's mm-hmm. not woo-woo. It's, mm-hmm. it's legit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and those who have experienced, they understand. Like, they know. But those mm-hmm. who haven't yet, sometimes I think they're like, I don't know what that would even do for me. But it's like but it's you have. Hurt. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to hurt you. Right. It's like Reiki. I mean, energies are all around us mm-hmm. of all sorts. We can't see a lot of things that we know are real, yet we just, just determine some things aren't real and some things are. I mean, right. I, it just doesn't. To me, it doesn't make sense. Right. You know, Reiki's never going to hurt you. Sound is never going to, well, sound can hurt you. But yeah. Sounds like this are n- never going to hurt right. you. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's just, why not try it? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I know like some of your medicine, cause you know, I like to say, what's your medicine? Mm-hmm. Speaking of sound, like you are one of those people that you have a playlist for everything. Yep. <laughs> I do. Is that one of your medicines? It music? is. Most what, certainly. Okay. What are some is. of your other medicines? Um, or a, another medicine. I don't, you don't have to give me a whole list. I, uh, there is a list. I won't won't bore you with the list, but, um, it might not be boring. It might not be. Um, I I feel like I've, I've gotten really into self-care as my medicine. I mean, self-care is a medicine period, Mm -hmm. but I've felt like since, you know, the last several years have been such a clusterfuck that Mm -hmm. I feel like I need to put more time into myself because if I don't, I'm going to lose my mind Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be able to practice. (laughs) <laughs> at all at all at all I'm gonna be in we jail need you. or something <laughs> yeah. we need you so I need to take care of myself a little bit better so um I started doing things like you know acupuncture like I just mentioned yay Noemi Martinez mm-hmm. new healing um and hey girl, hey. um and you know monthly massages monthly facials you know all those things like I I feel like they sound you know, kind of silly and luxury and whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and yes, it is a luxury. I, I, feel, I feel like it's not a luxury. It's not. It's not. I feel like I would rather spend my money on doing those things and spend my money on, you know, drugs and going to doctors. Mm-hmm. 
I am. Especially because the insurance company's not going to cover you, but for so long. They don't cover anything. So you would be spending even more. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like those things that work better for me and my mental health because, you know, full disclosure, I've been on, you know, antidepressants Mm -hmm. and anti-anxiety medicines and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I've tried it all. It doesn't really work very well Mm -hmm. for me. And I'm just, it does work well for some people, Mm -hmm. but it just didn't work well for me. So I had to find alternatives to those things. And so those are my alternatives. Those are my medicines. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of me taking Zoloft every day, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get acupuncture. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get a massage. I'm going to get a facial or Mm -hmm. do Reiki Mm -hmm. or energetic body work or access bars and all. Access bars, you know, all the things. Like I would much rather do those things than take a drug. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, the pills made me feel like shit Mm -hmm. and they didn't help. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. It's a band-aid. It's a band-aid. And it's, it's not appropriate. It's always interesting that I see like a lot of healthcare practitioners, like they don't, they don't take medicine. Nope. They don't take medicine. No. So I'm like, what does that tell you about who you're seeing for treatment? Like, yeah. ask them what they're doing at home, you yeah. know? Yeah. Ask them where, where they get their medicine, mm-hmm. like outside the hospital, mm-hmm. like what kind of things they do for themselves, because we all need to learn each other's medicines so That's we can right. implement more of it. That's right. And we, I mean, and we all just don't know all the things. Like, that's why it's important to ask around. Like, what are you doing? You look, like, you look good. Like, mm-hmm. what's, what are you what doing? What you got going on? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I don't, I feel like it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of situation, you know. But those are my medicines. Music, maybe a little bit dancing in there. Mm-hmm. A little throwing, because you can't listen to music and not dance no, a little bit. No, no, no. Um, but, yeah, and then those things, self-care. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for finally making it here today. Welcome. I appreciate you. You may look, I know you were a little nervous, which everybody for, and I'm saying for whatever reason, like people come on here and they're like, Oh, I don't know. And I'm like, just pretend like we're just having a conversation. It's fine. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah. So I appreciate you. And I won't be sharing her things obviously to be like, get in touch with her. Cause you don't, (laughs) you don't don't want, want, you don't want, you don't want to see me at the hospital. We want to see her in person. She's a good friend to have, but (laughs) at the hospital, it's a whole nother level, right? To the hospital if you don't have to. (laughs) Yes. So, all right, uh, everybody make sure you meditate and hydrate and I will catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to who you call in holistic. Be sure to like subscribe and share. You can find me, and all my services on shiana.com. That's S-H-E-A-N-A-H.